Just Some Podcast Media. The thoughts and opinions on Just Some Podcast are of the hosts and guests and do not represent the views of organizations that employ them or they volunteer for. They are also not responsible for spontaneous black holes or nuclear wars that may occur. You You have have been been warned. Welcome, 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 everybody, to another fun-filled and exciting episode of Just Some Podcast. This is Tom. Hey, this is Ben. Tom, how you doing, man? I am doing fantastic. Don't lie. I'm trying to lie for the audience, Ben. They're used to hearing me say all the bad things that are going on in the world. So this time, I'm trying to be cheery. So I had a great day. I saw lots of interesting patients that stimulated my mind and I everybody walked out of there alive. So that's a win. That's a W. So yeah, you're good. All right. That's a W. I'm also super excited, Ben. This is a another very special episode of Just Some Podcast. We have a wonderful guest on tonight, if you want to do the honors, Ben. So we reached out to Tina from Good Nurse, Bad Nurse, which hopefully some of our audience is well aware of what her show is. And we begged and we pleaded and we're like, can you please just come on, talk to us? And I mean, she begrudgingly, I think, uh, agreed. So Tina, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. So Miss Tina, you have a very successful and very good podcast, by the way. I've been listening to it. So tonight we were just kind of wondering to get to know you. Do you want to give us some of your background? Like, what do you do? How did you get started? Well, currently work at a level one trauma center. I'm a CVICU nurse. I worked in on PCU for four and a half years and I transferred over to CVICU about a year ago, actually, just over a year. I guess a couple of years into my nursing career, I kind of realized I actually liked the profession because at first I thought I didn't like it. I was really stressed out when I first started working. I got off orientation. I felt just like I had... I don't know, like I maybe didn't do my research about the profession. I didn't know, had no idea the amount of responsibility that, you know, is laid on our shoulders. I just did not understand it. I really didn't. And I was thinking, wow, I made a mistake. And then about a year and a half or so into it, I found myself actually looking forward to going to work and enjoy my job. And I looked back and I realized, I think I had been complaining so much to some people. I might have actually run some people off who were considering going to nursing school. And I was feeling really guilty about that. And I discovered podcasts and I thought, man, I want to tell everybody this. I was so passionate about it. I wanted to just get out there and kind of try to undo some of the damage I felt like I had done because I was so stressed. I wanted to be an encouragement. I wanted to talk to people about it and explain to people what nurses really do, what a wonderful profession it is, and also encourage people to stick with it when you get started because it gets better. And and then just maybe entertain a little bit along the way. I like true crime and I've listened to a lot of those podcasts and I thought, I wonder if there's a way to kind of weave the two together. And I just kind of went with that idea. Interesting. <laughs> And the true crime thing, I mean, I think every woman in America, oh my God, true crime, either podcast or TV shows or whatever the case may be. So uh, I look forward to hearing more about you and the show as we get more into our show. But Tom, do you think we should do our social media shout out first? Yeah, I just wanted someone to be like, oh, I've never heard of Miss Tina and her wonderful podcast, Good Nurse, Bad Nurse. And I just thought she might want to tell us about it, Ben. So don't chastise me for being nice to the guest. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, all at Just Some Podcast. You can find us on the web. We're www.justsomepodcast.com. Our emails admin at justsomepodcast.com. If you want to email us and tell us that Tom is wrong, because he usually is. Don't forget to check out our other podcasts we have in our family. That is Buried Pleasures with Pollyanna Amazing and Nurse Papa with David, who's also been on Tina's show a few times. So, Tina, do you want to tell them where they, all they can find you at? Yes. Yeah, so our website is goodnursebadnurse.com. You can email me at Tina at Good Nurse, Bad Nurse, and then we're on Instagram at Good Nurse, Bad Nurse. We're on Twitter and Facebook minimally, very minimally um, at GNB and Podcast. It's kind of a social media is something I'm sort of still trying to get into. We're probably looking at maybe it's overwhelming to me because I'm still in this the stage of kind of doing most things myself. And it's 
a lot. <laughs> I understand. And we'll make sure that we get uh, everything in the show notes so that they can contact you and find your podcast and find your website as well. But Tom, if they want to, I don't know, help us out some, what else could they do? Well, the first thing they could do is email you back and say, Tom is an amazing interviewer. Everybody says he has great questions and oh. Ben can stick it. Second, they can go to the website. They can scroll down. They can find our affiliate link. Click on that before they do any of their shopping. And it doesn't cost you anything. It helps out the show and we really appreciate it. And because Tom forgot to mention that, that's our Amazon affiliate link, not just an affiliate link. So make sure you click on the Amazon banner there, Tom. Okay. Well, we were talking about multiple other places that we're looking at becoming affiliate with. I guess my brain just said affiliate. So I apologize. All right. I'm still right, though. Never. All right, Tom, are you going to do our story that we may have missed so we can get back into uh, talking more with Tina? Yeah. Miss Tina, are you ready? You ready to hear this? Absolutely. Well, Tom, we've often heard that, of course, you know, being ER like we are, and of course, you know, Tina being CVICU, that women often present differently for heart attacks as opposed to men. There's a study out now saying that women's heart disease risk may be at lower blood pressure thresholds. So there was a recent study that was done, and it appeared in Circulation uh, Magazine, which is through the American Heart Association. But it suggests that females may be susceptible to cardiovascular disease at blood pressures lower than 120 millimeters of mercury. Dr. Susan Chang, director of the Institute of, for Research on Healthy Aging, led the team of researchers who conducted this study at the Smith Health Institute of Cedar sinai Medical Center in L.A., and they analyzed blood pressure measurements of 27,542 participants, of whom 14,873, or about 54%, were female. Now, the participants had cardiovascular disease at the outset, but 7,424 people developed non-fatal or fatal CVD over the study period. The study determined a threshold of 120 millimeters of mercury for males, which conforms to the current guidelines. In contrast, for females, the study saw an increased risk for disease at 110 millimeters of mercury, as well as even lower values. In addition, it studied uh, looked at different ranges of risk for specific heart diseases. For heart failure, females and males shared a similar level of risk at 110 to 119 and 120 to 129. But for strokes, the risk was comparable at 120 to 130 for females and 140 to 154 males. So the latest findings, according to Dr. Chang, suggest that this one-size-fits-all approach to considering blood pressure may be detrimental to a woman's health. Tom, your thoughts? Well, first of all, hats off to the American Heart Association for excellent naming of their magazine, Circulation. I saw what they did there. Boom, on two fronts, they got me. So, I mean, they're circulating their magazine called Circulation. I'm like, boys, hats off. Somebody in the marketing department. Yeah, thank you. Honestly, there's that part of me that's like, I'm shocked because we're just not figuring it out. But then there's the other part of me that's not really shocked at all. Because for how long did we tell women chest pain, you know, jaw pain, radiating left arm? We told them you had all the same stuff. But realistically, we were treating them because we had been treating men like that. So I am not completely shocked. I'm more wondering how is it taking us this long to figure out the physiological differences are now equating to different practice treatment. So I'm just in my head hearing all those times that someone's like, well, it's different because I'm a woman. And I'm like, honey, you're fine. And I'm like, oh, God, I'm going to hear about it again. <laughs> yeah, Like, it's just never ending. I'm going to be wrong again. I'm wrong with Ben. I'm wrong with my wife. Like, oh, my God, it's just wrong everywhere I go. So we know that there's now this breakdown are they going to start suggesting, when are we going to start aggressively employing this, I guess? Did they talk about that in the article? I didn't hear you mention that. Is this just preliminary? Yeah, this is kind of a preliminary study. And so I'm sure that, that you know, with having the American Heart Association backing, I'm sure there will be you know, more extensive look at it at a, on a wider scale than just the 30,000 people. Yeah, I was not overly surprised with it. I mean, how many years do we tell women that a lot of their problems were because of their floating uterus? Not you and I. I mean, just in general. You know, to clarify that. Yes. I have never said that. <laughs> so, I mean, I wasn't overly surprised. But Tina, with your CBICU experience and, of course, being a woman, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm not at all surprised of that. I mean, that it doesn't surprise me because I think that for a long time, everything has been focused on men. And it, I understand why. I think it's just taken a while for everyone to accept the fact that men and women are different and our bodies are different. We have different hormones, right? 
women, when they turn a certain age, certain hormones decrease. Men are the same way, but they're different hormones. And so we are different people. Physiologically, we are very different. So why in the world it would surprise anyone that these things would manifest differently? I don't know. I would say that probably, you know, up until the past few decades, it probably was not a priority for anyone to consider women's health. It just wasn't. I mean, that's just a reality. Recently, thank God, we have realized that women and their health is important and it is important to separate that out and realize that there are differences and recognize that and educate on that so we can understand, okay, we need to be thinking about our blood pressure a little differently than than men. But it doesn't surprise me at all, just based on what I've seen myself as a nurse. I think that women tend to take better care of themselves than men do. Just in my experience of family practice, because lots of times, I mean, how many times do I hear, you know, my wife let me come in because my blood pressure was 180 over 100? You know, whereas women, I think, would be more cognizant of potentially there's a problem and would, I think, be more receptive to helping take medication or whatever the case may be to help lower their blood pressure and therefore lower their risk. But that's just my experience in family practice. I would say that's pretty across the board. I guess, again, we're only two, but I've had very similar. Or my other favorite is pre-COVID when the couple would come in. And he didn't want to answer anything. The wife would always be behind him like, mm-hmm, shaking her head like, yeah. And or he'd go to answer a question and look at her. I'm like, I'm not asking her. I'm asking you. Like, you need to answer some questions. And so I think the wives always love that. Like, yeah, give it to them. So that was always fun. But again, like Miss Tina said, I'm not overly shocked. And I understand. Like she said, I completely understand how we're here. The question becomes, how do we go about deploying this information and start treating patients differently? And I mean, honestly, sometimes we stand back and we go, how did this happen? But, you know, modern science is still pretty new. So there's parts of me that understand it. I just hope that we start now that we know we just build on it. That's my hope is that we make the correct move forwards. And two, you know, numbers are hard. I'm sorry, but don't we have a thousand different values, ranges, and you start separating that out. It's already hard enough just to be like adult, (laughs) you know, just straight up adult. This is the normal blood pressure and period. And then, okay, now we're going to say we got to separate that out into gender. I mean, it makes it twice as hard, does it not? If you have to separate all that out, not just, I mean, it's not just blood pressure. Maybe there's all sorts of different things. Actually, it is. Yeah. I think as this gets deeper and deeper, I don't think we'll ever see a day where we completely split the sciences, but I think that this is just a continuation, that it's just more and more and more, and then it'll keep breaking down by ages. You know, we'll start learning more and more about, you know, 16-year-olds are different than 15-year-olds that, you know, for these reasons, like you said, chemicals and hormones. And yeah, I think as science gets better, it's going to do a better job, but it's going to make our job just that more difficult to navigate. I think we're going to need like the tricorders from from Star Trek so we can just scan them and then it just gives us everything we need right there. Well, in America, gerontology is, I believe it's still considered just like a fellowship, like you can get the additional training. But there's other countries like Japan, that's an entire board certification. Like they've already said, we recognize that, you know, for instance, elderly need specialized. I have a feeling that as time continues in medicine, that it'll just continually refine and refine and refine. And that's what we do. And we do it well. It's going to take time to get there. I would agree. I think it's also up to the individual practitioner. You know, aren't you guys, you guys are advanced practice nurses, right? Yeah, both of us. Yeah. And I, as a bedside nurse in in CVSU or anywhere, wherever you're working, I think that we have to look at it as we have a personal responsibility to kind of be up to date. You know, there is up to date that we can look at. We can be educating ourselves all the time. You know, we can be getting our certifications. If you work at the bedside, always stay up on the latest information. You know, just like you found that article, maybe that's going to put that idea in your mind. The next time you have a female and you're talking to her, you might be thinking about, hey, I need to consider that. If we all would do that, always try to be up to date on the latest evidence-based practice, we're all going to be working at the top of our game and hopefully help educate people. And isn't that what it's all about? Taking better care of our patients. And I have done that with female you know, patients were like, hey, you should really go to Operation Red Dress. You should look up, you know, some of these resources that are available that can help you understand why your physiology is different. Because, I mean, we already knew some of the changes. You know, like I said, the lower back pain and nausea might be more indicative for a female going through a heart attack than left arm pain. 
You know, so all the time I get patients, especially female ones that are like, well, I'm having chest pain. I'm like, okay, well, we need to take that serious. We're going to do some stuff, but here are some other things you may need to know. I think that's one of the reasons nurse practitioners do connect really well is we not only try and treat in the entirety, it's not just I see a disease, I treat the disease, we try and treat the whole person, but there's a lot of education. That's what we're used to from bedside nursing that we then transition into being a practitioner. Good job, Tom. See, look, I can compliment you too. Yeah, but you're being sarcastic. So Tina, you mentioned earlier that you've worked at CBICU. So how long have you been a nurse? This June, it'll be six years since I passed the NCLEX. Ah, yes. (laughs) Yes. Mm, Makes you warm and fuzzy on the inside when you remember those days. So I started in ICU. And as soon as you said CBICU, ICU nurses that send me, this is how CBICU nurses look at other people type memes. I'm like, oh, please tell me you've seen all those. It's so great. It still is fantastic. I still send them back. I'm like, oh, guess what? I Look what I found today on the old Instagram. So maybe I'll forward you a couple. So. <laughs> oh, I love them. I'm obsessed. I think they're hilarious. So one of the latest ones that I, I've actually posted on my Instagram because it was so incredibly funny. And it is a group of people. It's just a meme that goes around and different things will be put on it, but it's a casket. It's a graveside service. There's a priest standing there with a Bible open, and then there's several people all in black, you know, mourning. And the priest says, anybody want to say anything? And then off to the side, you can't see the person, but you just see like the little blurb that tells you that they're talking. And it says, I'm a CBICU nurse. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's funny. If somebody asks me where I work or what I do, I don't want to just say ICU because it is CVICU and it is different. It's a specialty. It's a specialty unit and it is specific to where I work. But at the same time, I hear that so much, all the the jokes about it that I feel like, oh gosh, am I sounding like one of those ridiculous, obnoxious people? Oh, it's so good. Yeah, I did ICU for a while, but I was an ER nurse. I remember working in ER. I was like, oh, these are my people. I love ICU. I even, you know, floated back to ICU for a while, but ER was just my, like the Lego piece finally clicked all the way. Like it fit really well in ICU, but boy, it snapped into place when I walked into an ER. So, see, and those are the memes that I like are the ones where it's like, well, this is the ER nurses, like I, you know, IV set up and everything is just this chaotic mess. <laughs> yes. It's a wad of spaghetti on a plate. I'm pretty yes. sure you guys go in there and like crochet with the yeah. IV tubing and the cords and every. I'm pretty sure. She's on to us. <laughs> <laughs> I said the same thing. One of my favorite moments as the ICU was getting a patient and I literally found the IV bag under the bed. And I was like, did you just put him on a rotisserie and turn him? <laughs> like I was yelling at the nurses as they were trying to leave. I'm like, oh, no, you don't. No, 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 no. Someone's going to answer to me how I found the IV bag under the patient. Like I I need to hear these answers. So Things happen. But I was going to say, on the flip side, I've been that guy down in the ER going... Why are you asking me if he had breakfast? He was just in a car wreck. Look, lady, just take the patient. Okay. Just take like, the patient. Just get him out of here. I've got another one coming in yes, right behind exactly. him. Exactly. You know what? I told you what pressers he's on. Okay. That's what you need to know. Take this dude. So <laughs> it, it is really fun having seen both sides, though. I love bedside nursing. I am so glad I'm an APRN now, but I do remember those days and they were good days. I don't have any memories going, oh, I hated it. I had to move forward to be a nurse practitioner. Mine was, like you said, I just knew I continually wanted to improve my ability to take care of patients. And so the natural extension was I had to move forward, you know, in this direction. So now you said you kind of listened to some true crime podcasts and things like that. So what made you go, this is what I wanted, like, I want to do a podcast. Yeah, I mean, that really was it. I love true crime. I would just listen to all the different true crime podcasts. There's a ton of them out there. And when I thought about just had something inside of me that wanted to just talk to people about nursing, other nurses, nursing students, you know, new grads. I was very passionate about it. And I just thought, oh man, I wonder if I could start a podcast. I started talking to another girl that I work with and she was like, yeah, I'll, I'll do that with you. It started as just an idea of a podcast to try to talk to people about it. And then it was like, could I incorporate true crime? And then I just sat down one day and wrote down a million different names of podcasts and some point I wrote down good nurse, bad nurse. And I just, that one just kind of stuck out like that. That has to be it. For some reason, it just seemed perfect. And that's kind of the way everything built that way. 
everything just sort of went that way. You know, when I went to build to make the logo, I felt like there needed to be two images. And that's how the whole thing went. Just sort of me going, okay, now I have to have this. Okay, now I have to have that. And there was a lot of people I get in these support groups and stuff for podcasters. And I'll see them going, I'm getting ready to release my podcast in like six months. And I'm just like, oh, wow, I didn't do that way at all. I literally just went, let's record a podcast and then just like found something to record with. I did everything backwards. <laughs> just to do it that way at all. As I recorded it, okay, wait, how do I get it out there? And then I went and looked and figured out how to do that. And so it took me forever just to get it off the ground and just kind of be like, okay, now I know what I'm doing. That's kind of how I am though. I'll just jump right in, which is what I did in nursing, which is why I didn't know what I was getting myself into. <laughs> but it's good to hear that that's kind of how we started our show too, was, I mean, because Tom and I have been friends for 20 years. We'd always enjoyed talking to each other, obviously. I mean, we're best friends and people that enjoyed us you know, sitting around listening to you was kind of bullshit about stuff. And so it was like just this natural like, well, and Tom hounded me for years, like, we need to do a podcast. We need to do, and I'm like, no. And so then finally I was like, you know what, let's do it. And he's like, are you sure? I'm like, yeah, let's do it. I'm like, what's the worst is going to happen? And yeah, we wake two episodes and we don't like it. Okay, big deal. Yeah. yeah. And that's kind of how we started was like, well, let's just do a couple episodes, see what happens, see if anybody even listens. And then we'll kind of go from there. And that was... I mean, I think our shows started close to the same. Like we started in September of 18 was when we launched our show. I think we launched in, yeah, the end of May, 2018, because we're coming up on three years in May. Awesome. Congratulations on that. Thank you. It's a big milestone and we're about to hit a million downloads around the same time. And so I have a big announcement to make and I'm so excited about it. Something I just found out today that's going to happen. I had reached out to somebody that I'm a huge fan of and asked if he would come on to my show and he responded back to me and I threw my phone because I was so excited. <laughs> yeah, we've got some big things happening this summer and or late spring I'm really excited about. It's weird because I definitely never anticipated any of this happening. It was just kind of, I don't know, just kind of do one thing after another it became fun and just exciting. And at some point it became work. <laughs> I remember thinking, this is a lot of work. And then I figured out how to kind of delegate some things out so that it was more fun again. I've kind of leveled off now. For people who don't know what your podcast is, can you kind of give them a brief synopsis? Yeah. So it's a uh, cool. It's called Good Nurse, Bad Nurse, of course. And what we do is just, I have a, another host on that is a, what I call a guest host each week. Sometimes I have repeat hosts and the same people will come back to host with me that tend to have a good rapport with and, you know, that just it seems to enjoy it. So it's me and another nurse or healthcare professional literally just tell kind of a story sort of ripped from the headlines, you know, if you will, from Law and Order, true crime, and it's medical related. So it's usually someone from the medical field, a nurse, a doctor, could be a physical therapist, occupational therapist, respiratory therapist, like just... Uh, I think we've done medics, phlebotomists, someone from the medical field that has gotten themselves into trouble one way or another. It might not be necessarily that they were at work doing it. Maybe, you know, they plotted to kill their spouse or, you know, something like that. So we'll tell that story. We do a lot of research into that one, you know, into the bad nurse story. People tend to like those stories. I've noticed in my analytics, you know, because we get reports and I'm just like, I can see you guys are just listening to the bad nurse story. And that's, <laughs> that is not good. You guys, come on. You got to hear it because then after we tell the true crime story and then we do it the good nurse story because I like to end on a good note, a positive note. So we tell a story about someone in the medical field who's done something wonderful and it's always amazing and uplifting and I feel so much better. I don't have to leave, you know, talking about some awful thing somebody did. But, you know, what we say is that our podcast helps to kind of shine a light in the darkness and we talk about these things because you can't just pretend like bad things don't happen. I think a lot of times people just want to pretend like stuff doesn't happen bad and you can't do that. You got to talk about it and you got to say, look, this happened. How can we prevent this from happening in the future? How can someone be kind of on guard looking for this? If you're at work and you think someone might be hurting their patients, you need to step up and say something. You can't just let that happen. And I cannot tell you the stories. Like I said, I've almost been doing this for three years. It's like there are so many nurses and doctors and other people who have done things to harm patients. And there were people around them that kind of knew. 
there were warning signs and it went on for a long time. And that's part of our purpose is to tell these things to sort of help educate people and give them the courage to stand up and say something. One of the things I heard in a recent episode, and I really liked it, was you said that no matter what the story is, you can find the practitioner, the doctor, the nurse that did something bad. <laughs> you were like, I don't care what the story is. You give me enough time, I will find the healthcare professional that did something <laughs> messed up in this. And I was like, I couldn't stop laughing. I was like, that's a pretty good point. And then you also said most of them are from Boston, I think. So that was also, I was like, man, she's got a thing for the Northeast apparently. But that was, I. but again, I kept listening to the shows and I was like, man, I really like this show. And just, I'm not as true crime as I guess a lot of people are. I do really like the true crime, but I think it just fits well. Uh, the whole time I was listening to the show, I was like, oh, God. So I just really enjoyed all the episodes I've listened to so far. I think the show is less about the true crime and, and more about using the true crime to kind of as a, a cautionary tale to sort of educate and give us something to talk about around. It's something that sort of helps give us something interesting. But then it, we infuse a lot of talking about nursing, the profession of nursing and the medical profession in general. I think it helps pull people together, too. You know, we have CNAs that listen. We have LPNs, RNs, doctors, respiratory therapists, physical therapists, police officers. I've heard from so many different people, people that are not even in the medical field at all, will email me and, and just be like, I'm not in the medical field, but I listen to your podcast. I'm always shocked when I hear that. I'm just like, I'm kind of surprised because I feel like I get on these ridiculous tangents. They'll say they find it interesting because they didn't know that nurses did those types of things. So it's kind of funny. I was just going to say the particular episode was about the Salem witch trials, which I had listened to a whole nother podcast about, by the way. So I was like, oh, I kind of know a little bit, like a very in-depth, like the entire season was about. So when you started bringing up some of the facts and naming some of the names, I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I've heard that. And I completely agree. I think you did a really good job of like, well, you know, the doctor started literally the witch hunt. But it was more about how it affected the town and how that town, how that spilled over. And people started going, maybe witch hunting's not a great idea. Maybe this isn't something we should do. And again, hats off. I thought it was a great episode. I really liked all the episodes I've listened to so far. And that was Nurse Papa's idea, actually. That was David's idea. He texted me one day and said, hey, would you ever want to do uh, the Salem Witch Trials? And I, <laughs> I responded back and I was like, let me see what I can do. And I swear it didn't take me long. And I found out, oh, it was a doctor that started the whole thing. Yeah, so <laughs> it was. So. Yeah. Well, see, and I think that the bad nurse side or the dark story or whatever, however you want to, that is the compelling part that keeps people interested. You're getting the information. Like you said, you're kind of talking around that story. But I think it... We all want to know. Like, I mean, Dr. Death was one of the, like the hugest podcasts that was out. It was a six episode series on, you know, Christopher Dunge. But I mean, it was because it was compelling. Like, I mean, I can remember listening to it and I sit in my car in my driveway for like 45 minutes listening to finish off an episode because you were just like, what's going to happen next? Medically, for you, it's like, well, how did this many people not see this? But like you said, you like sometimes we rose colored glasses and kind of ignore some obvious signs. But I do think there's a good way for you to kind of tice people in and then provide the good and the education around it. Yeah. And another thing that I think I hear a lot, unfortunately, is people say, well, I didn't want to ruin someone's career. Everyone is sort of living in their own little silo. You think, well, my one complaint that I'm going to say, I don't I don't want to be the only one to say something. You think you're the only one thinking it. But, you know, if you see something that's wrong, you just need to speak up. If you're the only one that says it, so what? It's not going to go anywhere if it doesn't have any traction, right? If it's legitimate and you don't say anything, what's the, you know, what's the result of that? Do you really want someone's health to be compromised? Do you really want someone doing surgery on patients that has that kind of uh, mentality that doesn't even have the ability to do it? I'm sure he could have. He just didn't apply himself whatsoever. He just went around cutting on people and just didn't care. He had total disregard for other people's lives. You know, you just said something. And I was like, oh, I can tolerate being wrong. I don't know that I could tolerate knowing somebody was hurting somebody and not saying anything. And I don't know what the answer is. But like you said, like sometimes people or Ben said, you know, there's rose colored glasses. We don't want to believe but man, I, I think as patient advocates at the bedside, as nurses and as nurse practitioners, we have the duty to do what's best for our patients on all fronts. And so for any second for a healthcare professional to not say something, 
it's hard for me to understand still now. You know, we had the incident here in central Ohio at a hospital where allegedly, because I believe the case is still going on, that a doctor possibly involved. I'm trying to figure out the right way to word all this, but you know what I'm talking about. Allegedly. (laughs) Allegedly multiple deaths. And that was, again, having worked in ICU and worked in ER, you know, I've been around. And worked with patients with end-of-life care, I'm sure. Isn't that scary? Yes. And there's that part of me that keeps going, you know, maybe... And I do mean maybe one of these, you could have said, okay, somehow there was a way around, you know, but when you start hitting multiples, I'm like, who didn't notice (laughs) like something was wrong? And it just, it's hard to understand. So I understand the compelling, but it's still hard for me being on this side going, God, how? But see, for me personally, I think if it's a lateral move, to report, say, if you suspect another nurse is doing something. But if you're a bedside nurse and you're reporting a physician, now you have to fear retribution. Yeah. Even though that's, you know, not going to happen if you report it. Uh, whatever. I mean, realistically, there is that risk. So, I mean, I think that that has to play some part in that as well. Well, and I think that's a great conversation, but shows like this are what helps spread that out. Like, hey, somebody knew something was wrong and they didn't say, how do we enact? cogs into this machinery so that people can feel comfortable making this happen. Tina, for your show, Good Nurse, Bad Nurse, obviously. So I'm assuming that you're probably not lacking like the dark, bad, true crime type stories. (laughs) How do you come across the good nurse stories? I mean, are they harder to find? Believe it or not, there are so many wonderful people in the healthcare field. It's most people in the healthcare field are amazing or they wouldn't really be in it, right? It's, it's a hard, True. it's a hard yeah. job. I can find lots and lots of stories of people in the healthcare field doing amazing things. I like to go back and in, into history and find, you know, the first female to do this or the first black person to be that or just the history of a certain field or that sort of thing. Or maybe someone was out doing just living their life and some horrible thing happened and they happened to be standing there and saved someone's life. I love stories like that. There are plenty of those. I feel like those are a dime a dozen. They're they're everywhere. And I'm so happy that they are because the healthcare profession is full of wonderful, amazing people, loving people, caring people. I've done so many stories about people giving body parts, giving their kidney. We had a, a nurse that gave, literally gave her kidney to a complete stranger. And we had a nurse who brought a patient into her home that was homeless because he needed a transplant and you cannot get a transplant if you don't have a support system. And so she literally adopted this person. I mean, oh man, the the healthcare field is full of wonderful, wonderful, amazing people. But unfortunately, the bad nurse stories, those are prevalent too. There are a lot. And perhaps it's just that they're more sensationalized. They are. There's no doubt about it. And there are a lot of doctor ones. I tell you that because... The press loves a good bad doctor story, I guess, because they will use that doctor, you know, does this, this or that. And so those are a lot easier to find. So I I feel like I do pick on doctors a lot just because there's a lot of stories. Sometimes I'm just sitting here going, good Lord, how can there be this many people that do stuff like this? It's kind of shocking and scary. Well, like you said, though, the press loves a good sensationalized story. And there is something about the human condition. I think it's maybe because most of us aren't inherently that evil. So to be able to get to look at it and not have to touch it, you know, I get to eat the cake, but I don't have to make it that internal feeling that they get from looking at it. But I will be honest, women really love true crime stuff. I don't understand it. And I'm telling you right now, I could walk down to my wife's Netflix account right now. (laughs) And I know 99% of what I'm about to watch are either movies. The number one and number two movies on Netflix right now are true crime, you know, movies. All the series are true crime stuff. I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't get it. What is fascinating about it to you? So I've asked myself this question so many times. This is kind of my own personal take on it. I really do believe that women are fascinated by true crime because it's a way for us to almost control. What's the best way to control something? You know, with information, kind of if you understand what the possibilities are, then maybe you can prevent this from happening. 
if you watch a story and you find out, oh, so this woman was just jogging down the road. So what do I need to do then? Maybe I need to jog in areas that are more, there are more people. I don't guess I need, maybe I shouldn't be jogging down in parks where there aren't a lot of people. Or It's almost like you're arming yourself with information. You're just like, so this could happen to me. I need to do something. I don't know. I almost feel like that's, it's a way of controlling, like by understanding what can happen, you can sort of prevent it from happening. I don't know how else to explain it because somehow it's almost comforting to see these things. So yeah, it's either that or I think you guys are plotting to rule men by fear because you'll be like, we have watched and studied every true crime thing out there. We know how to kill you and make it look like an accident. So then we have to deal with that. See. I was going to say, everything she said, I was like, have you read The Art of War? Because you sound like the Chinese General Sun Tzu talking about warfare. She's like, if you understand the information, I can kill you in a million ways. I'm like, my God. Like, I think I just read that book a couple of years ago. Goodness sakes. It is so prevalent, though. I work in an office, obviously. I'm a male nurse. I work with a lot of women. This stuff, you guys, really all about it. So it does crack me up, though, sometimes because I'm just like... I also, you know, have seen it from the other side as a police officer and TV shows make it seem so sensational. I'm like, do you know how boring most of this really is? <laughs> like, maybe that's a reason I don't like get into all the TV shows because they're like, and then they, I'm like, no, they sat in a car for 12 hours watching that house before they got into that foot chase. Don't let them bore you. That guy had to pee really bad while he was running that whole time. <laughs> so it is funny to me. I'm just like, oh my goodness. Well, it's kind of like medical shows. It's the oh, same yeah. thing. You know, oh they, God, they, exactly. They no one person's job is that interesting. You might have moments that are interesting, but exactly. then you have lots of moments that are not. And they just take all the interesting ones and put them together and usually put them all into one person's job somehow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like Grey's Anatomy. I think I was watching. I wasn't watching. I oh, saw. No. I am pulling that sound. Oh, by. you just let it slip. No, no, no. Go ahead. Because there's <laughs> not one person that knows me that believes this. Like I would sit down and watch that show. I hate that show. But what I'm saying is, is like, I've seen it and there was like an episode where the doctor, first of all, incorrectly, I might add in every way, but is drawing blood. I'm like, where? Where is this that the doctor is drawing blood and they're walking it down to the lab? Where? Where is this hospital? I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I am boycotting based on everything I know about how this works. There is no way that this happened. So yeah, it is very much the same in true crime shows as it is, like you said, in medical shows. It's just like... Look, that's just not how it goes. I do understand the thrill, but I guess I've seen how the sausage is made sometimes. I'm like, it is so boring. I wish this three-year investigation could be a six-hour you know, event. I just find it weird that you guys are so fascinated with killing us. Rule by fear. I'm telling you, that's what it is. Yeah, I'm not saying she's wrong. I'm already afraid <laughs> of her, so that's how it is. So, so, Tina, what's been your biggest surprise with podcasting or with your podcast? So so the biggest surprise, I guess, would be really just the fact that I have been able to meet so many people all across the world. I've been to Mexico and I've been to Canada. Other than that, I really haven't been out of the country. So when I started doing the podcast and started connecting with people, just like you guys, you know, just like David, you know, in California, all over the place and people in the United Kingdom, Australia, all over New Zealand, it's kind of um, amazing, you know, that I'm just able to talk to so many different people and really genuinely feel like they're, it's a friendship. You know, these people, I will message a lot, you know, and just be like, how are you doing? And, and I genuinely want to know how you're doing. And it's just a, a strange feeling. I never would have thought that, that would have been it's sort of serendipitous. I never would have thought that would have been a, something that would come out of this, but I'm really happy to have it. I would uh, agree with that wholeheartedly. I actually had a drug rep in the office um, the other day and we were talking about the podcast and, and stuff because I like to talk about things. And I'm like, it is so amazing to me the number of people who have sat down and had conversations with us that we probably would never have been able to have a conversation prior to that or you didn't feel like you could. But because you are you have this interaction between the podcast, it is a very odd feeling, but it's not odd bad, but I mean, odd good, I guess. But it is, it is a weird feeling because like, I mean, for us, I mean, it was like Margaret Fitzgerald, who is kind of the godmother of nurse practitioner board prep. Her course is kind of the gold standard to prep nurse practitioners to pass our boards. And we reached out to her and she agreed to sit down and talk to us for an hour. 
And I was like, this is so crazy that we're talking to this person who in the nurse practitioner world is very much celebrity status for her. Like I've seen conferences, like national conferences where people will bring their board review books, hoping to catch her in the hallway to get her to sign them. I mean, it, it is just so weird to me that we had this interaction. And like you said, foreign countries, we, you know, Antarctica, <laughs> you know, guys like I record your show and then I take it to Antarctica and listen to it. I'm like, Bjorn, I love you. And he's from Norway. I don't even want to know the process of events you have to go through to listen to us. But Bjorn, that's why we love you. Join us on a journey into the inner psyche of our guest as we ask five, 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 five questions. All right, Tina, this is five questions. So what we do is we ask the exact same five questions to all of our guests. And it just kind of lets us know more about kind of the, let's just get in on the inner psyche of you. Pretty simple. I ask the questions. Tom makes fun of your answers. That's what I'm here for. We don't want you to think too hard about it. We just kind of want your first answers. Then we'll pick them apart. Are you ready for five questions, Tina? I'm ready. All right. Question one. What's your favorite medical word? Hemodynamics. So what made you pick hemodynamics? <laughs> I don't know. No? You don't know? I've been studying for the CCRN and that I literally is the first thing that came into my head. So I'm like, she's, you know, CVICU nurse. I'm thinking she wants every patient to be hemodynamically stable. So I still have it. So yeah, she does. She knows way too much about swans and wedge pressures at this moment in time. So there you go. I almost said incorrect, Tina. You like swan or wedge pressure. I almost said that. Oh, that's no. funny. Yeah, hemodynamics. No, that's a good word. It sounds very uh, space tech. I'm like, no. Question two, Tina. If you could do... Any job in the world other than what you currently do, what would it be? So I have thought about this. So totally not nursing at all, like, because I consider myself a full-time bedside nurse and I am studying to try to possibly go into care coordination and be kind of work from home and do like abstracting with medical records type of thing because I want to work from home with my husband so we can travel and that sort of thing. So I guess that's sort of something I'm going to do in the future. I enjoy public speaking and it's something that I want to get into eventually. I've done a little bit of it. I've been asked to speak at a few conferences and that sort of thing. Those things aren't even going on right now. And I had a couple of things lined up that obviously just went away with COVID. But I think ultimately it would be amazing if I would, you know, we're able to just like do the podcast and maybe do some study guides and educating and going and speaking. And that would just be wonderful. I would love it. I was expecting FBI agent. That's what I was. <laughs> or U.S. Marshal. That's, that's where I was going. Again, I was going to warn you, extremely boring. But, you know, I, that's exactly what I was going for. Look, it's hard to make fun of her when she's like, I want to be a good person and help people. Like, well, damn it. Like, how am I going to? I'm going to hammer that down somehow, but it's going to make me look even worse. Okay, so just give me a second. Here you go, Tom. Here's the thing. Yeah, We've asked this question probably 50 times now, I think. I mean, give it to you. Yeah. Why has no one said independently wealthy? Because <laughs> if I was independently wealthy, I could still do something else. But you wouldn't need to. You wouldn't need to. But let's say you won $100 million tomorrow. You would still do something. Like you're not going to just sit at home. So then that's how I take the question. Like, Tina, what would you do? If I was independently wealthy, I would love to be able to just, you know, like travel and do missions and like, I don't know, just like help people and figure out ways to do not for profit. I feel like if you just sit around and do nothing, I would just wither away. And I have to be busy. You have to stay busy. This is the first time I'm caveating this answer. No helping people, Tina. Tell me something you want to do for you. That's what I want to hear. I want to hear the Tina does this because I enjoy this, Tina. Answer. But I do enjoy helping people. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. I swear I'm not <laughs> just saying that. I, know, I was 40 just... years old when I went to nursing school. I literally was a full grown adult. I love taking care of my children. And I, I was like, I think I would just like to be a nurse. Did I know the responsibility and how much we have to do? And I don't mean the physical part. I'm okay with that. I mean, like the lives. I remember thinking, where are the doctors? Where are the nurse practitioners? Where are the PAs? Where are the people that know what's going on? And then they're just like, oh, no, that's you. You're supposed to know. And you're just like, what? Someone one day goes, pat you on the back, and they're like, no, honey, (laughs) you're the person that's here. Yeah, that was literally a moment for me. It was literally a moment where I was just like, what, are you kidding me? 
the thing is, if I think in most people's minds, there are doctors, there are nurse practitioners, there are providers, you know, they're just there in the hospital, right there on the floor, available, like every floor. If something goes wrong, the nurse isn't the one that goes in and does something to fix something right away. There, You get the provider to help. Incorrect. At that moment, when it, I realized that that was on me, I was just like, okay, I didn't know that was part of this. This isn't what I signed up for. <laughs> yeah. This was not in the pamphlet at the school. <laughs> I don't remember this. Yeah, and they don't pay me enough for this. <laughs> <laughs> Question three, Tina. Think back to your first car. Was it a stylish ride or a ride you'd want to hide? It was a Mitsubishi Cordia. It was like a really cool looking car, but it was pretty much a piece of crap. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> looked really nice, but they didn't last very long. <laughs> I was like, I don't even know that model. <laughs> so, yeah, there's yeah. a reason for that. <laughs> I mean, they don't even, do they even make Mitsubishis anymore? I think, yes. I'm sure that company, they, no, they do, do. They? they? They do. I'm pretty sure they do. Not a lot though. Yeah. What color was it? It was red. Did you do any home modifications to it? Like, oh, well, some people they're like, hey, I got a crap car, so I'm just going to spray paint it with like sparkly wheels or something like that. Like, oh boy. No, it was just a car. <laughs> it was just a car. <laughs> Did you wreck it? No. Did you drive it like it was stolen or no, you babied it? You took care of it? Yeah. Oh, see. Here's about cars and people. See. So. <laughs> <laughs> Question four, Tina. If your house is on fire, Everyone, including your pets, are safe. What's the one thing you want to get out of your house? Other than pictures. Don't say pictures. Oh, you got See, we knew that. No pictures. The things on my shelf behind me are kind of like things are personal to me that really mean a lot to me. A lot of them are someone gave it to me. Levi made this sign that says God is love. I would want to grab that because he was young when he made it. and It's just beautiful. There's also a little jewelry box and it's a tiny little one that you open it up and it has a little ballerina and it plays memories, the song memories. And my sister, who's 10 years older than I am, I'm 48, gave that to me when I was like four or five. So it is really old and it would really hurt if something (laughs) happened to it. All right, Tina, last question, question five. You have $9.18 in your pocket. You're at the gas station or the convenience store. What all do you buy? $9.18? Yeah. And I swear to God, if you say you give it away, I'm going to (laughs) just drive to Tennessee and drag you to a gas station to make you buy something. So don't say that. Well, if I said gas, I would think I wouldn't get very far down the road. So, Like you're in the store. Like, what do you buy? In a convenience store, what I tend to buy would be bottled water. Because uh, I don't really drink much of anything else other than wine, okay. uh, which they don't sell at convenience stores in Tennessee. And if they do, it's probably not good wine. So yeah. not the kind I you want to drink. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Nah. I would buy Twizzlers because I love Twizzlers if we're going to go See, with junk there food. we go. Yeah. That's what we're looking for. Okay. Let it love out. Love Twizzlers. <laughs> and coffee. I'm a coffee person. I love coffee. So how do you take your coffee? I usually will drink it black if I'm not going to have like some kind of frou-frou latte kind of thing, but I just drink it black. You know, uh, studies show that people that are psychotic usually drink their coffee black. I mean, does that surprise you really? No, because I've drank black coffee. You have to be psychotic to drink that. Like, I'm a one cream, one sugar. I don't need a lot of the foo-foo stuff, but I'm like, you drink it black. That's devil water. All right. That's what you're drinking right there. It is pure, bitter hatred. And I just sip on it. It's so good. While she's plotting your death. Yeah. See? She's <laughs> plotting demise, sipping coffee. I'm like, how'd you know she was the killer, Tom? Because she ordered black coffee. I said, do you want French vanilla creamer? She said, no. And that's when I knew she had to be the killer. So, right <laughs> well, there. Tina, if you're foo-fooing it up for your, your coffee, then what do you do with it? Oh, I love the white chocolate mocha from Starbucks. I get that quite a bit. I mean, like, it's like my splurge. So, I have NP students with me currently. And every day they're like, Tom, do you want anything from Starbucks? Because, of course, they're getting it. So, guess what tomorrow's order is, ladies? White chocolate mocha. That's what I'm getting. <laughs> and the whole time I'm drinking, I'll be like, mm, this is so much better than black coffee, Tina. That's what I'm going to think <laughs> to myself the whole time. Oh, wow. All right. Well, that concludes five questions. So if you like this episode and you want to be on the show like Tina is, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, all Just Some Podcasts, or our website, www.justsomepodcast.com. Email us, admin at justsomepodcast.com. Tina, you want to let them know where they can find you one more time? Yeah, you can find me at goodnursebadnurse.com. You can email me at tina at goodnursebadnurse.com or 
just you can look me up at Good Nurse, Bad Nurse pretty much anywhere. And I'm the one that's usually going to pop up <laughs> on the good nurse side. Let's, yes. I'm just thinking when she said how many downloads she had, I'm like, Ben, let's face it. The majority of our audience already knows who she is. <laughs> like, <laughs> there might be one person. Bjorn may not have. <laughs> yeah, Bjorn might not know. Bjorn, get on the good nurse, bad nurse train. Come on. And now we will get an email in a couple of weeks from Bjorn saying, okay, I downloaded it. Bjorn, please send me an email. I would love to hear from you. Bjorn, I'll send you some pictures. Like he tries to keep us updated. We love that guy. It's oh like gosh, a where in the it. world is Bjorn? Just randomly we're like, hey, here's me looking at the Northern Lights. I'm like, Bjorn, like I just like, I love that guy. He's fantastic. That's what I'm talking about, you guys. That's, that's what makes it so amazing doing a podcast. I love it. I think he's our European ambassador. Is that what we named him, Tom? Yeah, we named him the <laughs> ambassador to Scandinavia, I believe. He's uh, he's going to put me up when I get that Nobel Peace Prize. I got to have somewhere to stay. So anyway, <laughs> it's going to happen, Ben. All right. Well, Tom, uh, that wraps up this episode of our show. And Tina, again, thank you so much for coming on taking time out of your busy schedule with your million downloads coming on our, our little rinky dink show. We appreciate it. Better like black coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys so much for having me. I can't wait to have you on my show. That's going to be so much fun. On that note, well, Tina, we also said we were looking forward to being on your show. Thank you again for being on our show. To all of you out there, you know, we are still in the middle of the pandemic. So wear your damn mask, wash your damn hands. Have a great week. Hey, everybody, make sure you stay safe out there. Swearing just to pass the time Lately I see why